Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, dude, here we go. Three, two, one, boom. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome to the number one positivity podcast in the world right now, the Coach HP Show. On today's show, we have probably the nicest human being on the planet, man. Dan, as I look at all your stuff, dude, from top to bottom, bro, how did you end up being such a nice guy? Because I, I just see niceness all over you, right? Is that something you got from Pops? Is that something you just developed? Talk to me about that, bro. Okay, I don't know if I agree that I'm the nicest guy in the world, man. But uh, I do believe in being kind. I, I certainly do. Um, my father is definitely the nicest guy I know um like truly legitimately so i definitely try to emulate him uh my mom is a savage she i get that from her she is a, a little pit bull bulldog type personality and she's like five foot nothing little italian lady uh which you so i guess i'm like a hybrid of both i'm like uh i got a little bit of that i got a little bit of this but um no man i do think you get what you put in the world like the energy you put in is what you're going to receive uh, tenfold. So yeah, I definitely believe in being kind. Uh, it's biblical. I love that, bro. So I know nothing of your world at all, right? Other than I love it. Okay. I, I, you're, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go to, I'm ready to fight the Lee Floyd situation, whatever that is, the Lee Floyd thing. I'm gonna fight that guy. Uh, you're talking about outfits. I'm thinking about its gear, but that has, there's a whole different meaning for outfits. So I'm learning all this, right? As I'm watching your incredible, because there's so many awesome aspects of what you do, right? For, for me, an outsider, the fact that to me, you're so official, is that something that comes with bow hunting? Because bro, it's almost like just on gear alone, it's a whole different language than just the shooting and attacking part. Am I correct in that or no? Oh yeah, certainly. Um... It can be almost overwhelming, but I think maybe to back up, like, I don't care if you're into bow hunting, sewing, knitting, whatever floats your boat, whatever gets you excited to get out of bed. I believe in leveraging that to across the board, across your entire lifestyle. So uh, insert bow hunting has changed my life because I love the component of securing wild game for my freezer and living off wild meat, organic found in nature, no factory farming, et cetera, et cetera. And then I do it with a bow, which means it's very challenging. It's 100% no guarantee. Uh, and so it requires you to kind of do things to separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Everything I've said thus far can apply to anything in life that you are interested in, whether it's like working for yourself, probably like we both do, creating a lifestyle that you've always wanted to lead. Whatever it is, it's going to require year-round effort and discipline to get there. And so forget about like the lingo and all the like nuance to my world, which is bow hunting. And just know that 
whatever it is you're pursuing, hard work pays off, man. I, I can't agree with you more. So the one thing we do have in common is at some point we're both baseball guys, right? What position did you play? I always played shortstop until I got to, um, you know, that later in high school years where you're competing to start. And they shifted me over to third base begrudgingly. Um, but that's where I finished my baseball kind of career was at third base. Um, and I grew to love it to where I would choose third base over shortstop. How about you? Well, hold on before, before I get to that. So who was your favorite player? Oh, man. Well, my favorite swing in MLB history being a Washington State guy is Ken Griffey Jr. I I've never seen a that. swing. I felt you were going to say that, dude. Now, but here's the interesting part with you, right? Because you strike me as a fast dude. Okay. Is that my right or that or no? Yeah, we stole a few bases. You stole bases, right? But you're a righty? Yeah. See, what I would have done is if, if, if I was controlling your trajectory, I would have pushed so hard to have you hit from the left side. Like, I would really teach you to go lefty. You didn't switch hit at all. Did you hit lefty at all? No, but I was left. I am left eye dominant. So I think that could have worked. I would have really pushed that because we would have worked in bunting. We would have done all stuff because I've heard you mention about yourself not being that tall. You don't want to be in a corner position, obviously, if we're looking at the future, right? So my job would have been to grab you into high school. The guy with your determination, your strength and your stuff, we teach you lefty. We get that in and we get you division one somewhere. That would have been my goal. Yeah, no doubt. I, I did work with a guy who uh, in high school who played uh, college ball at Pepperdine and then GU, and he really taught me how to drag butt like no other. So I was that leadoff guy, get on base no matter what. And once he taught me that and I had that in my arsenal, man, that worked pretty good for quite a while, uh, you know, especially like early count type stuff when they're, you know, on their heels, not expecting a drag bunt. Um, that yep. was good. I, I did work with another coach. Um, his name is Coach Wassum. He played pro ball. And I wish I'd had him early on because he was the first guy to have a stopwatch. And he knew all the numbers, regardless of offense or defense, how long it should take to do anything from stealing a base to getting a leadoff to how long it should take you to field a bunt and throw the person out. Like he just had a spreadsheet in his brain and he just had a stopwatch. Uh, and I, I got exposed to that very late in my high school years. Um, and he was world changing, but I finished up uh, pursuing baseball community college at um, a small one called Skagit Valley. Uh, it's in Washington. And, and I was going to play third base for them. And what's funny is um, I actually opted to the last second to not go. I was going to, it's uh, eight hours from my house. I was going to move over to the West side of this Washington and, I just vetoed at the last second. My gut told me I just wasn't feeling baseball. And I was really feeling performance, strength and conditioning, coaching. And so I made, and I'm actually I'm very glad I did because that's the career I ended up pursuing was strength and conditioning. So I quit baseball at the last second, turned down an opportunity and, and just started going to school. Dude, I love that you did that. You mentioned something there, Dan, super interesting. So you hired coaches to work with you you were a strength conditioning coach yourself in a before you had your gym at gyms 
and then you had your spot. And then obviously now you do that with the bow hunting and stuff like that. What has being a coach through the years taught you? Oh, that is, that's a heavy question. Uh, being a coach teaches you a lot about yourself. Um, but I think before you can be a great coach, you have to truly, sincerely care about people. And one thing I didn't understand, at least early on, is I was pursuing degrees, master degrees, and every certification out there for a strength and conditioning coach. And you know what? Nobody gave a shit about what I knew. They just wanted to know that I cared. And it took me a while to figure that out. And so being a coach, like it is, it is literally uh, the art of caring about others and their successes and their successes are your successes. And when you get your mind wrapped around that, you become a better coach. See, that's why I have you as the nicest person in the planet, bro. See, that's the, uh, come on. I was right. That you could tell a guy who has a gym and makes it a community gym where everybody can go in there and work out. That's a cool dude. You know, that's a neighbor that I want. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that was 100% not planned, but it that's the way it's going right now is we, um, you know, once I sold my own personal gym several years ago, we built our own gym in our backyard. It's very ridiculous, I would say, but to us, it's, it's absolutely perfect. It's what we want. It's a non-negotiable. And then the neighbors started peeking around and we just invited them. And now we have this like built-in community that works out at our house in our gym in the backyard. Um, and it's so cool, man. That's what I love about in my brain. I fantasize about living in the part of the world that, that you're at because that would never happen here in Miami. Never. Right. But over there, I don't know if it's the Americans. I don't know what it is, dude, but I just love it. You know, that, that idea to me, uh, I've been to Oregon a couple of times because I, I always speak at Oregon state, the Beavers, the baseball team. So I go there and I know that area a little bit. I've never been to, to Washington yet, but I just love that aspect of it, dude. And the fact that you're a guy that does what he does, it really shows you care, right? How smart are you, bro? Because the fact that you're able to not only shoot an animal, but I didn't even know this, you have to like literally skin it right there and know what you're doing, right? Is that a skill that you learn? Do you Google that? You YouTube that? How do you learn all that stuff? Well, this day and age, yeah, you can Google just about anything. Uh, but it's a tall order, especially when you kill an elk. You know, they weigh six, 700 pounds on the hoof. And you walk up to it, and it's almost like a bit of, like, you get overwhelmed. First, you have remorse, which is a massive dichotomy that your audience, I hopefully, can appreciate. Like, yes, you want to get this animal. Yes, you want to fill your freezer with it. You're trying to end its life. It takes life to live life. And then you do end it. And it's a little bit like, what did I do? You, you have a little bit of remorse. Um, but it's it's truly the way I believe God intended us to get our protein. And so you walk up to it and you're like, okay, what do I do now? Um, yeah, there's internet resources and stuff like that. But in the early days, you know, you just kind of had a mentor. Like, I believe the first elk I ever killed, my dad was right there. And we just kind of figured it out on the fly. and. Um, getting that much meat, let's just say 300 pounds of meat back to your truck, to the cooler, back to the butcher, uh, that's a tall order. And it's a labor of love. 
And I think it makes it so much more rewarding. Like last night we were having elk steaks for dinner and I'm just looking around my family and I'm like, they just don't have a clue what it took to get this to the table. Um, and I truly love that whole process um, from start to finish. And um, there's a sense of pride watching them enjoy a meal that is very healthy for them. We're eating green beans from the garden, elk steak from the mountains, just that is awesome fuel and nutrition for your body. Damn, bro. That sounds so good. How good is elk meat? I've never had it. Is it good? There's nothing better. Really? Taste-wise. I, I know nutrient-wise, but taste-wise, it tastes real good, too? It tastes better than – so it's a very lean, lean red meat. And you'll hear, like, Joe Rogan talk about it all the time as it's his favorite meat. I don't think he's fronting. I do believe it really is one of the best-tasting wild game meats out there. And for me, I've always, once I've got the meat, I try to keep it on the bone. So you pack out a quarter, no skin on it, and you get it to a cooler at around 40 degrees or 35 to 40 degrees. And you let that meat age for a couple of weeks, maybe 14 days. And wow. then you butcher it. I butcher it myself. And then you package it, freeze it, label it. And it is absolute perfection. It is like the champagne of protein. Dude. And then your diet then, right? Are you eating three times a day? Do you fast? What, what do you do there? Yeah, I try to keep it really simple, simple. And I really try to, I'm not very creative. I'm too busy to get too wrapped up into what I'm eating. So it's got to work for me. Every day is some sort of eggs, oatmeal, or today was a, a breakfast burrito with eggs, bacon, um, and a lower carb type tortilla, but that's processed weight. But generally speaking, eggs, oatmeal in the morning, middle of the day, I generally have some sort of smoothie. Um, that, uh, what do we have? Spinach, blueberries, protein, almond, butter, you know, something super basic. Uh -huh. um, almond milk or water that, that keeps me full. And then uh, dinners is usually some sort of wild game vegetable and maybe a little bit of starch, i.e. like white rice or something. Um, so I guess I have about three, maybe four food encounters. I generally have a post-workout protein shake, which is just mainly a little bit of carb and protein, but I guess four encounters a day. Um, it's probably at or around 2,200 calories. What type of uh, protein do you take? Like what, what's the brand? Can you talk about it? Oh, sure. Um, so in my smoothie, it's just a vanilla. It's called, um, it's from Wilderness Athlete, which is just, you know, a supplement company for outdoorsmen. Um, and then they also make a meal replacement, which I use as my post-workout with a little bit of creatine, HMB. Um, not a huge supplement guy, but I guess my daily supplements are a multivitamin, some fish oil, and a little bit of like joint support, like glucosamine sulfate conjointin type stuff. I'm in my forties. So just, just that nothing too fancy at all. Dude, when I asked you what type of protein you was, I thought you were going to say, yeah, the, the elk shaped protein. Uh, there's a pro <laughs> I'm telling you that my man's coming out with a protein suit. I, I feel it. I don't know why there's that could be, that could be in the air, bro. How does it feel to walk around life as in shape as you are? Sure. Um, well, it's, it's definitely, uh, I was trying to teach my kids the other day. And by the way, I'm not the world's best parent, but I drug them out to the gym. It's summer. They have every kind of device and opportunity to be lazy with 
I don't have my TVs in the house and iPads and uh, phones and apps. And I was just like, get your asses out to the gym. We're doing something. We're breaking a sweat. And they were really like, just not having it, not feeling it. And I just told them this, I said, and I don't know if they'll ever remember this. I got, I hope they do. I was just like, guys, the only reason I work out, the only real reason is I've trained to feel good about myself. There's so many people in this world that are going to insult you for whatever reason, they're going to be mean to you. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to not be sure of yourself. And, but there is one way to make sure that you are confident and that you believe in yourself. And that's by just disciplining yourself, come out here and do a workout. You'll feel better. And you're bolstering your self-worth, your self-confidence in a world that wants to break you down. I don't know if they're going to like, maybe someday they'll understand that, right. but that's truly why I work out and be in shape is I just want to have the confidence in myself. Um, that discipline bleeds into other avenues. Um, and it's really fun to be able to do any event or eventuality at a moment's notice, i.e. let's go for a hike. Let's go on a bike ride. Um, last year, Cameron Haynes um, called me up and uh, we did a podcast and I had, I went over there and we ran 22 miles that morning before we did weights, before we shot our bows. And I hadn't run further than maybe 10 miles um, at a Spartan race. But I want to be able to have that fitness where if that's what we're doing today, I can do it and I can be okay the following day. So it's just really important for me to, to, to be ready to, to be the best version of myself and to be the best father and to have the most energy. You mentioned Cameron Hayes there, man. What's so special about that guy? A lot of people like him, like what he's doing. In your opinion, what's so special about him? Um, there's a lot special about him. He's a friend of mine. Um, he's really um, driven more than maybe anyone I've ever met. Uh, so he's very, he has a narrow focus on success. For him, it's in bow hunting. Uh, and he's willing to do a lot of things that other people think they are. But at the end of the day, they would never, ever be able to hold a candle to him. So he's very, very fit for his age. I think he's mid-50s. Uh, I think he runs just about a marathon a day. He, he works out, lifts weights. He's a very good archer and an extremely good hunter. Um, and I think a lot of people want to emulate him. What, what makes somebody a good hunter? Because as I'm watching your videos, which are spectacular, man, like – I don't know who, if that's you. I know you, I've heard that you, you hired some people and then you did that, but the videos are amazing, right? What I'm there watching you and I see the, the you call a elk, you call him a bull. Well, what's the terminology when you see him? Yeah, a bull elk is a male elk. Okay. Yep. Do you only eat male elks? Yeah, I personally have only killed um, male bull elk. Yep. Is that because of the taste or how does that, why, why is that? Well, if you think of it from uh, a wildlife management being a renewable resource, uh, females have the babies. Uh, one male can breed all the females. So if there's multiple males, you take a male out, you're not going to really Got it. affect. Got it. And we, we try to kill the older males that are already kind of past their breeding prime. So it's just a kind of a wildlife management Got application. It. Got, really. it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I see him. I see you see him. and I'm like, fire, like shoot, shoot. But you don't. Right. Obviously, for a million reasons, what calculations are you running in your head? Because you're like there, you're like there. And also there's a thing in your mouth that you have, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know what any of that stuff, right? But I wonder what that is. So a couple of questions. So what's the thing in the mouth? Number one, 
Number two, what makes you want to shoot and what distance is it, right? And then why do you calculate when you shoot? Okay, sure. So the thing in my mouth is an elk call. So you can make actual sounds. That's one thing about elk hunting is they, if you can get to Yellowstone or Estes Park or go up to Banff or Jasper National Park in September and you can watch the elk rut where it's their breeding season where the males bugle and it's like an almost sounds like a dinosaur screaming. It is, that is the bugle juice. That is what we all love to hear. So it's really incredible to be a part of that. So we can emulate those cow the female sounds and the male sounds with the bugle tube and that call that's in my mouth. Okay. So that's that. Um, when it comes to taking a shot on an animal, shot opportunities are very few and far between. If you go for seven to 10 days on an elk hunt, you know, you're pretty lucky if you get one shot opportunity. So you better make it count. So there is a lot of calculation. Um, I am personally looking to get as close as possible because the closer I get, the higher the odds are that I'm gonna make a tremendous shot. I'm looking at the animal's body language and behavior. Um, do they know that I'm there? I prefer them not to know that I was ever there. Um, and then I'm looking for shot angle, one that will give the animal the fastest, cleanest kill they will ever experience. Because most animals that don't get killed by a hunter are gonna probably killed by a mountain lion, which is a horrible death, takes forever. Right. wolves which is even worse takes longer and you're eating alive while you're alive or starvation in the winter especially in the back half of winter when you're not getting enough calories and you're just doing a slow miserable starvation death on the mountainside so my goal is to have a quick humane kill and be on our way packing out so yeah i'm very choosy on that shot selection i use a range finder which is a device that you click it shoots a laser at the animal and it tells you the distance and then as a bow hunter, I need to know my equipment, the shot placement, and the trajectory of my projectile, my arrow, and make sure I'm shooting with a very sharp broadhead. Dan, when you shoot an arrow, do you go get it? Or is it like, ah, fuck it, that's, an, that's gone? <laughs> yeah, no, like once I shoot an animal with uh, the arrow, this might blow people's minds, but the arrow goes all the way through them, most instances. Okay. So once the animal, and then they'll, they'll usually run because they don't know what happened. And then they'll pile up within man, 20, 40, 60 yards from the shot. A lot of times I'll back out from after I make a shot. I want to just give the animal time. And then when it's the proper time to go get that animal, the first thing I do is I'll go look for my arrow. And I'll pick it up and I can look at the arrow and look at it. And it'll give me clues as to how good a shot I made and what kind of recovery I'm looking at. How much is each arrow? Oh man, my arrows are pretty bougie. So about uh, anywhere from 20, 40 bucks an arrow. I have some arrows that are 80 bucks an arrow. It just depends um, on your preference. When, cause I almost relate that almost like to golf balls, right? You know, people are playing golf and they lose a ball and you're like, this dude's taking forever finding a stupid ball. Bro, get another ball, let's keep going, right? Does that ever happen to you? You're out there you're like, dude, leave the arrow already, man. Let's just go keep going. Or is that like hunter etiquette that everybody searches for the arrow? Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm going to try to find my arrow if I shot an animal. Now, if I'm doing a 3D target, like practice range, and, and I send an arrow and I miss, and it goes into the tall weeds, and I, it may be buried two feet in the ground, I'm not going to go look for it. No. Got it. But, Got it. Yeah. You mentioned then your kids being a parent. How, how old's your son? My son, Tristan, just turned seven. Seven. Okay. Any sports? 
Well, he's done soccer and wrestling thus far. We're not going to put him into baseball? Oh, dad wants him to. I'm just kind of waiting for him. He does hit wiffle balls in the backyard. Um, I mean, I'm just waiting for him to kind of show a little more interest. But uh, I think he'd be great. He's got a hell of an arm. Seriously, he can throw. Um, I don't know if he can hit very well, but we'll see. Seven is a good age. This is what I would do, right? Okay. Because the 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 trick with baseball is, and and I'm let's say I'm you in the elk world is me in the developmental world. This is what I do with kids and parents and the kids and stuff, right? So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, right? So let's say your son. The key, if you could remember, baseball is everything is great in baseball to the first year kid pitch. That's where everything changes. The first time you get drilled by a baseball, we figure out who's a man and who is it. You know what I'm saying? And it isn't for everybody. Nobody, that's scary to see balls come at you and then curve and all these weird things, right? But there's nothing like playing coach pitch baseball. It's the best thing in the world, right? It's almost like being a hunter and the animals don't move. They just sit there and do, 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 all day, right? What I would do is if he's already doing wiffle ball, I would get him, get him a bat, get him stuff. And the thing with a guy like you that I just, that I don't know is since you're so official in everything you do and like very like, even the way you talk about, you have so much respect for everything, right? But when you work with your kid is different because historically, especially this generation, the kid, the father-son relationship is very interesting because we respected our dads very much in the sense that our dad said something and we just did it. Others for whatever reason, but, but this generation is a little different, right? But if a guy like you could just tone down the like, oh, you gotta do it, you gotta do it and make it real fun, like just fun. And you grab a couple balls and you literally pitch this guy home run derby every day, right? <laughs> and all you do is celebrate everything he does in baseball. No, 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 like I love, hey man, go work out, whatever. But if you celebrate everything in baseball with your knowledge and your discipline and your thing to, because a guy like you doesn't get into anything that isn't, that isn't going to make you a winner. You know what I'm saying? But when it comes to your kids, it's different because they're not going to respond the way you want to respond them right away. And that's what I teach parents the most, just like you as a coach with. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. People with archery, they want to be you tomorrow. And that takes a lot of time, right? But if you can do that, Dan, and say, dude, I think you got it, you know, and play a little catch with him every day so he doesn't get hit. Like on the side, if you could just do that, man, and start, 
you're at enough time because now in the well, I don't know the weather. Is there fall baseball there, or is it just spring? Uh, just spring and summer. So let's shoot for if if this is if you like this idea, I would shoot for spring baseball. But you start now putting it in his brain, like I, whatever routine you got with him, dude. Fifteen minutes, bro. Come out here, man. Let me see if you catch, bro. Because I see you and you and literally. You're going to BS him a little bit, but not really. You know, you're like, dude, I see your hand-eye coordination. You know you can catch a baseball, right? Really? Come here, man. Let me show you. And you just make it fun, and you bring out your glove, and then you get him a glove, and you just start that little thing with the anticipation of fall, of spring. Because if he runs like you, he's strong like you, and he has the discipline like you, why not? Yeah, no, uh, my dad laid out the template, man. So he coached my teams from the time I started, probably up until about age 12, 13. What age did you start? What age did you start? About six, six years old. And I would strike out and cry every time. Um, And how was your dad, Dan, when you would strike out and cry, what would he tell you? You know, I can't remember exactly what he said, to be honest with you, coach. But here's what I do know. My dad's not super intense and he is probably followed your protocols to a T like super laid back guy, just made it fun. He made it competitive. He wanted us to win. He wanted us to try hard, but he wasn't like me, super intense. He was just like, he's still the same guy. Very much the opposite of me. I love your dad, dude. I love your dad. So I'm the reverse. My dad prepared me for everything in life then except to deal with him so i'm the biggest failure in the history of miami baseball by far bro the only problem is my dad publicly privately beat the shit out of me so much man that i was like i lived in fear my till till i grew almost to high school then then i stopped it but i lived in fear i was wetting the bed to like the age of 13 14 just dealing with trauma of the attacks this dude would do on me only because I struck out. It wasn't because I was stealing or I was back. It's just that, right? And it's very typical with a Cuban guy in the 80s, you know, that kind of thing, the machismo stuff. But I live for stories of your dad. With anybody who I interview, no matter what success is, because I'm obsessed with the father-son relationship. And any guy that I see that has the background that you have and the skill set and all these great things. I'm like, we need more. Like, I literally wish you had five kids, five boys, you know, because you don't know if you see too much of us, but the boys are losing in this generation, right? And I deal with, I start training kids at the age of three and up. So I literally see them, you know, and in your generation where Believe it or not, I saw a picture of you getting married. It looked like you're fucking 14 when you got married, bro. But I'm only four <laughs> years older than you. Okay, so I'm 44. You're 40, I think. So we're there. But so in this generation, what happens is when when we grew up here in Miami, there was a team. Your dad had a team. There was one bag with the helmets, with the catcher's gear that the league provided. They would throw that on the floor. Bah, 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 we'll go everywhere. And you had two bats, three bats, and you play. Nowadays, what happens is Tristan goes to his uh, 7U practice and he's going to have, you're going to remember me, he's going to have a book bag with his own bat on it, his own helmet on it. He's going to have his glove. 
He's going to have his batting gloves. He's going to have his awesome spikes. He's going to have everything, right? Then there's going to be 12 of those lined up on the thing, which that's not the problem. Why? Because, listen, technology is the greatest thing in the world, okay? Advancement is the best thing in the world. The bats, if I could talk to you about bats that they have today, just like bow hunting. We could talk bow hunting, be like, dude, the bows now? Oh, my. Imagine you had to bow hunt in the 1980s bow hunt. It'd be completely different, right? But where parents fail, okay, that this is why I bring up your dad and I bring up you is the principles that we learn, just put that in 2023. Let's enjoy the equipment, right? So your son's going to have a $300 or $200 bat, which in our era was crazy. But the fact that he doesn't know how to appreciate that, it's our job to teach him how to appreciate that. And how do we do that is by what you did the other day of chores. Hey, let's get out of the house. Let's do some movement, whatever. At the beginning, you're not going to be the most popular guy in the house. Right. But after a while, which is why I love the fact that you talked about when you were doing your elk hunts that you would calculate your, how long you were going to be there because you're away from your family and stuff. And this year's, dude, and this is what I do. I deal with kids when they're five years old, 15, 25, 35, 45, right? These are the most important years because you are the man, period. You are the man. And I get the parents when the kid starts becoming a teenager, like, dude, he doesn't even want to talk to me anymore, whatever, whatever. So right now, the more Dan is instilled with grandpa, what's grandpa's name? My dad is Rod. Yep, Papa Rod. Rod. So we get Papa Rod, Dad Dan into Tristan's brain and work ethic. Tell me that guy is not going to be a savage. Tell me that guy is not going to be a man of the people. How can that kid lose? Yeah, no, you're right, man. And the way my dad did it was, uh, I don't know how he did it, I, looking back retrospectively, but there was this threshold where I was tired of striking out. I was tired of making errors. I was tired of, you know, losing a starting spot or whatever. And somewhere along, I think my dad was just patiently waiting for that flip to get switched where I was like, bucket of balls hit me as many ground balls as possible. And he never said no. And I just started asking him more and more. And we just started putting in that work when no one was looking year round. Dude, that, that changed the game. And he was always down. Is he, is he still around or no? Oh yeah. You got to ask him. You know what? Next yeah. time you see him, hit him up and say, dude, let me ask you a question, dad. How are you this? Like why? Because I know why I do it. And I, and I could see why you do it because if somebody, and, and you have to relate yourself to the bow hunting world or in the gym world, first thing is you don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't want, you have so much respect for what you do. You don't want the animal to get more hurt. You want a clean uh, kill. You want a clean experience. Everything you do, right? That is so precious and everything. Now, when you look at your son, the more you sprinkle more of that in with your discipline and the organization, Dude, I think that's that's gonna kill, man. I think that's that's really impressive. The recipe you have there, bro. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I will ask my dad next time I see him. I see him quite often. He lives here in town. I just saw him two days ago, and yeah, man, it's funny that you say the teenage thing. I remember at about age sixteen, I wanted to try to fight my dad any opportunity I could. Whatever he said to do, I would do the opposite. Just that testosterone level. But what's funny is by the time I was just graduating high school. I started to, it started to click coach where I was like, 
I didn't run a single decision without talking to my dad. And it's been like that. And I'm still a grown ass man. And I still consult my dad for his wisdom. That is awesome, dude. That is awesome, man. A couple more questions, bro. Cause I could talk to you forever. When, as you do this, right? You do a ton of interviews. You're on YouTube. You're on the stuff, which I love everything that you do, right? What have you learned? What have you learned in the content world? Cause any way you look at it, you're in the content world, right? I love the content world you're in because it's not a Hollywood-ish. It's not a this, even though you analyze analytics, you look at thumbnails, you look at this. I've seen you talk about this. What have you liked? You have a podcast, you talk about stuff. What do you like about podcasting? What do you see? Talk to me about that. So yeah, from the content standpoint, um, I love podcasting because I would never get the opportunity to look you in the eye and talk to you for an hour without some sort of distraction. My phone's turned off. I'm all you, you're all me. I'm, I'm going to know you. If I ever meet you in person, we'll be able to pick up right where we left off. So I value podcasts selfishly just so I'm getting to know so many people that I wouldn't have a chance to. Um, YouTube, Instagram, videos, all that stuff. I do have an extensive background in video editing photography, videography, but none of that shit matters. Um, if you're not truly authentic and showcase the life you really live. Right. So you can't, you can't fake it. People are savvy. They sniff that fake stuff out. So a while ago, I just decided I'm going to be me and there's going to be a percentage of people that like it. And then there will be a, certainly a percentage of people that don't like it. And that's okay with me. So that's just kind of been an evolution of, you know, the more success you have or what the numbers go up there, that percentage is going to probably stay the same, but you're going to see more people that don't like what you do or whatever. And so my only, I guess the biggest thing for me to learn is to just do me and don't pay attention to any of the shade and focus on the positive. How do you pick the content that you do? Do you like schedule it? Do you go, okay, this week, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. How do you do that? How do you schedule it? So for podcasting, it's just kind of, uh, it happens naturally. I may see something that I'm like, man, someone inspires me. I'll reach out. Um, when it comes to YouTube, it's a little more surgical. I, I do have a, um, like a note in my phone with ideas and the ideas are there, but I don't even pursue it until I have a title and a thumbnail in my mind on lock. And then we'll go reverse engineer and go make the video for that. Um, and what do you want to see? Hold on one second. What do you want to see in a thumbnail? What are you looking for? I want someone to click. On no, you, the video. but you like, so, what, what are you thinking about? Are you like, Oh, this is a picture. Are you thinking about an image? How does it work? Yeah. Like, um, I just posted, uh, or I made a video about an archery shoot and this is a recreational archery shoot. That's very big. It's called total archery challenge. It's not a competition. And so I wanted to have a thumbnail with the guys, their characters in the story, kind of in a fun setting. And then I wanted the title to intrigue people. And so I think I put for the title was how I won Total Archery Challenge, which is kind of like not even a true statement. You can't win, it's not a competition. But in my mind, we do win shooting this competition because we literally video ourselves doing this giant shoot with 5,000 people on a mountain shooting 
3D targets, but we win because we have the most fun. And it's like, no question. My squad tells the craziest jokes. We're getting in each other's heads. It's just like batting practice or, and someone's trying to psych you out and get yeah. your head while you're trying to hit a fastball two seam, you know? So I was like, the title's gotta be, we won total archery challenge, which people are gonna be like, how do you win total archery challenge? Click the picture. The thumbnail is my group of guys shooting. And one of the guys wore a Borat swimsuit. He, we didn't know he had it on. He takes it off behind a tree, comes out to shoot the next target. We put that in the thumbnail. So you're going to be like, what the heck is that? And so we have this great video, but we got, no one's going to watch it. If you don't have the thumbnail, if you don't have the title. I love it. I saw the video, the guys doing the beer thing. I saw it was all, it was all fun. It was, like, <laughs> it, it, it was, it was super cool, dude. What type of them, what type of music do you like? Do you have anybody? Man, you like? I, I feel like I have an eclectic variety, man. Um, I don't listen to a lot of nowadays country music. You take me back to the 90s and 2000s. I love that kind of country. I love 90s, 2000s hip hop. Who's your favorite uh, hip hop person from the 90s, 2000s? Who you like? Who comes to your brain? Uh, well, anything that Dr. Dre produced has usually got some of the dopest beats. Favorite Dr. Dre song? Give me one that comes to your head. Come on. Uh, well, last week we were driving up to the mountain and I said, we always listen to a pump up song. This is not my favorite Dr. Dre song. I'm just telling you what came to mind. I was like, yo, put Dre Day on, Dre Day, which is right. kind of a slower beat, but it's pretty aggressive, pretty intense. Um, I even like early Eminem back in the day, but um, I'm even older school than that. I love Beastie Boys. Um, okay. I, but I also love rock, heavy rock. Um, I like some sort of techno to a degree or house music. Um, I, if you watch my Instagram, man, I'm always putting music on and you'll never guess what's going to be on there next. Cause I listen to a little bit of everything. And who's your favorite rock person? Who do you like in rock? Is there anybody? Oh gosh. Well, I remember when my folks introduced me to Led Zeppelin, that was pretty pivotal. Uh, just because I'd never heard anything. My parents did a good job. Introduced me to that 70s, 60s, 70s rock, nice, man. classic rock. So we used to listen to Boston growing up. Um, definitely Led Zeppelin for sure that are up there. But nowadays, man, I don't even know too much about current rock. I love um, when I'm really need some motivation. I'll listen to like old school Metallica, Pantera, Godsmack, um, and then even Tool. I love Tool, some of the best musicians out there. But I just like a variety, man. I just can't get stuck in the same thing. How about you, dude? I like like uh, I'm like that. You know, I like '80s stuff. I like Drake. I like uh, like stuff that puts you in, in a good mood and stuff. You know, I almost look at myself as a, almost as a producer, like in what I do. You know what I'm saying? Like I, my thing is like I watch people in all, in all genres. And I feel like we have one talent. And my talent definitely is I'm the guy that just brings ideas to people. You know, and I want everybody for some weird reason. I don't know if that was the trauma of me growing up that I felt like I was losing every day because what was happening to me that I wanted everybody around me to win. Mm, that's heavy. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and when I see you, I'm like, this, this guy is going to be massive, you know, and if I could bring a new audience, you know, it's not too many Cuban uh, down here, do, you know, in the baseball world doing elk hunting, but success has a lot of similarities and two of the biggest things that make it similar is effort and attitude right effort and attitude knows no race knows no gender 
knows nothing, right? And in your work, I see that a lot. And I see that a lot through the board and how you conduct yourself and stuff like that. So that's one of my biggest reasons why I go, I got to reach out to this dude. I got to, I got to get him on, you know, I have to, now I'm almost forced at some point next year to go with a bat and ball over there to Washington or wherever your Tristan's at, get that dude on a field, you know, work him out, you know, you, but you have to lay the groundwork now. I can't be throwing baseball to that guy. And he doesn't know a backhand. Or you have to promise me you're going to start slowly, right? You're going to put yeah. in step by step. Okay. We're going we're gonna to talk to Papa Rod, get some info. So you chill out. Okay. I don't want you going crazy on him. Okay. I don't want you, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you being like Coach HP Senior out there on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. yeah. Damn, no lost it. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's what I see there, bro. Before I let you go, Dan, because you're the man, bro. Questions for me, man. Anything I can help you with? Man, I, I really like the fact that you uh, kept it real about growing up. I mean, that to me, the older I get, Hector, like the more I realize that I was I was literally raised with a silver spoon, not from a financial, you know, component, but from like a nurturing, loving, supportive family that did any and everything for my success. Um, but we lived two different lives, man. Like we had that, you, you didn't grow up that way as far as from what I understand, just talking to you. So like, I guess my main question just out of curiosity is like, how'd you rise above? How'd you get through that and get to where you're now recognizing what happened to you for a reason and kind of using that curse as a blessing to others. Right, right, right. So as this was happening to me, and you're going to understand this, when you grow up in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, and there's, you don't have a TV in my room. My dad didn't have no TV. There was one TV in the house, right? He controlled everything. You're getting abused. You don't have an escape because he wasn't, it was very frugal guy, you know? Thank God he didn't abuse me sexually. So at least I'm lucky in that aspect, right? <clears throat> I developed this thing in my brain then where I go, all this stuff is happening to me for a reason. Soon, at some point, I'm going to get out of this. When I get out of this, I'm going to make sure that starting off with me, I'm going to live the best, happiest life I can live without hurting others and without hurting myself. And I'm going to start doing that, right? So I started putting that in my brain. And when you don't have a TV in your room, you don't have a Nintendo, you don't have any of that stuff, you start to really understand your mindset. And a part of my story, which I'll tell you real quick, was when I moved, I, I failed miserably in baseball. So I go, you know what? I'm going to do the furthest thing as possible. I'm going to become an actor. So I moved to Los Angeles. I didn't know a single person. And I lived in a 2000 <coughs> and six at the time, Toyota Corolla. And I slept in there for six months, not speaking to a Holy. single person, right? There Holy was no, sucks. I couldn't go on. Uh, YouTube and watch, man, I'm gonna motivate the elk shape. I'm gonna, I couldn't do. So I really got into my brain and I realized why people go crazy, why people are successful. And I firmly believe Dan, that everything in life happens for a reason, even, even in a, in a God way, even in a biblical way, I feel that everything happens for a reason. And because of that, I'm able to look at independently of what my dad did 
and still give him credit in the parts that he deserves the credit because he built a tremendous work ethic. If you were to come tell me now, I'm going to visit you in Seattle, or I'm sorry, in Washington, and you come in and you go to me, dude, I just killed this elk. Can you help me carry and put me on the biggest mission of the world? Instinctually, I'm going to tell you yes. It's going to suck because I don't have anything. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. But in my brain, it's like, let's go. So there's no, to me, there's no barrier of I can't do anything. I'm just going to do it. I'm either going to do it or I'm going to die trying. And that was the most important thing to me as a guy, you said, keeping it real, who had a million identity issues growing up because I didn't have a car. I'm getting the shit beat out of me. I didn't have a cool haircut. I didn't have cool clothes. I didn't have nothing. So I always looked at somebody else as that situation being better which is the worst thing to do in the world, which is that's all I talk about now when I speak and in my videos and in my stuff, all I talk about is this on repeat because parents now, like you, what happens is, and I mean parents just like in your generation of your situation is there's a lot of comparing. There's a lot of, oh, that kid does, hits the bow at 20, 20 yards. Why does my son only do four? Why, is, why did Dan go so much? So I just look at components while interviewing the most successful teenagers like I've had, I've been so lucky to have the last two number one overall picks in the 2020 base and the 20 and the 2019 baseball draft and the 2022 baseball draft both go to the Orioles. I interviewed them before not even knowing who they were and I had a chance to talk to them and the difference of everything in the world then is mindset of how to deal with failure, <clears throat> but we're not prepared to deal with failure. That's mm -hmm. it. We are not, we don't want to talk about it. I don't care what plane you board, whether it's a private one or you board Delta, before every plane takes off, you review and you go through the emergency procedure, right? If I grab the Dan, if I'm coaching Dan and I see he's having a difficulty striking out, he's crying, whatever. I look at the first thing I do, I look at the positive of it. Man, this guy cares. Let's start off with that. So he cares. That's a big deal for a kid, man, because usually kids struggle and they're like, la, 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 la. Okay, let's go. Right. But you cared. So then it's like, he cares. Number one, number two is how much time is he putting into this? Let me make him, let me get him addicted to this. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. The last, the, the three things I do when I work with kids is the first thing I do is I set the tone, right? So you ask yourself, why is the most disciplined coach you'll ever find? Do the players love playing for me or getting coached by me the most? Because I'm going to set the tone right away. Like, I'm literally going to be, Tristan, all right, buddy, this is how I'm going to talk to your son. I've never met him. The minute I see him, go, Tristan, come here, buddy. Okay, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab that glove, and I want you to go to run to shortstop. Fast. You ready? Go. I'm going to talk to him like that, right? Then I'm going to roll him a ball. No matter what he does with that ball, I'm going to positively reinforce him in a way that ain't gonna seem like bullshit that the kid's gonna be like dude i like this guy I, you know <laughs> what i so i'm gonna roll him up on it's gonna go completely under his legs like he's literally it's gonna be the worst thing you've ever seen right 99 percent of people look at that and they see the wrong no oh, put, put your glove down move this move that not me you know what i do i go tristan come here dude you know what i loved about what you just did right there that you got close to the ball Dude, that's half it. Remember, if you're not close to something, you can't get it. So you're already there. Now, 
And look at this energy I'm giving him now. Uh -huh. Now, the fact that you're so close, dude, we're there, right? So now, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to throw it a little bit slower, and I want you to, then I'm going to teach him the technique, and I'm just going to give him the easiest ground ball I've seen in his life, and then I'm going to repeat that mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over again. And we'll repeat that. Like, I will literally go over the dumbest thing in the world. You'd be like, really? I would literally practice, and I've done this with people so many times. I would grab a young Dan, and I would practice striking out and walking back to the dugout. That's how I'm testing. So level two, step two is a positive reinforcement. And then the final step is the player development. Once I get you in step two, you will do whatever I say because you're already addicted to it. And then the results are going to come and that's when you get hooked. And buddy, there you go. How about that? You like that answer or what? Yeah, man, I'm all fired up, man. I just love it. I think it's really cool. And we'll, uh, we'll see how we can get work, uh, working with Tristan here and see what he's into. I will say the dude is obsessed with pickleball which I love the hand-eye coordination. Nice. And I was like playing with him a couple weeks ago. He was lousy, terrible. We were having fun. And then I went out of town for a trip, work trip. I come back a week later. He's been playing every night with his mom. And I'm like, wow. So yeah, he's got that hand-eye coordination. He likes to have fun. He's real silly. And I think your steps are awesome. I'm going to definitely employ those right away. Dude, I love it. I'm going to send everybody your way elk, uh, elk shape on YouTube, correct? Elk shape on Instagram. Yeah. We're going to link them below. Any questions? You have this dude's the best. Dan, I'm so excited. Don't leave yet. I want to hang up with you the right way. Okay. All right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.